0: Thank you everyone for joining us today Um, and welcome to this series of tutor spaces known as Budgets for Justice. This series aims to explore the nuances of India's law and justice budgets. My name is Antara Vasudev, I'm the founder of civis.vote, a platform that works to enable effective dialogue between governments and citizens on draft laws and policies. And today I'm masquerading as the host of this, this edition of Budgets for Justice, the Tutor Spaces Conversation. Budgets for Justice is a collaborative initiative between Agami, Civic Data Labs, Justice Hub, and Civis. It is a platform that curates open budget data from the government for the law and justice sector to make budgets accessible and comprehensible for citizens. As many of you know, it is in the budget session in India with the union budget being presented on the 1st of February. Today, we are here to explore and understand the challenges, key gaps, and opportunities in budgeting for law and justice with our friends and collaborators from Project 39A. A quick reminder, this conversation is being recorded, and if time permits, we will be taking questions from the audience. Please DM us at civis.vote, and we will take on your questions at the end of the the session if time permits. I'd now like to jump straight in and introduce Gail, who is joining us today. Gayle Andrew is an associate for research at Project 39A. She graduated in law from the National Law University in Delhi in 2018 and completed her master's in law and human rights, conflict and justice from the School of Oriental and African Studies in London. As a student at LLU Delhi, she was part of the core team that worked on the Death Penalty India Report in 2016. And since joining Project 39A in 2019, she has been involved in research on legal aid, bail, and the death penalty. As a part of Project 39A, she helped undertake performance audits of the Supreme Court Legal Service Committee and has undertaken research on underutilization of the legal aid system in India. Welcome, Gail, and thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So, Gail, I think um, I'd now like to drive straight into today's discussion. We have a few interesting questions lined up for you. Um, and I've just been, uh, I've just been told that, uh, please send us your, uh, questions to civis underscore vote, not civis.vote, sorry, force of habit there. Um, the blue civis uh, host will also, if you click on that, you should be able to DM us your questions for the discussion. But Gail, coming back to you, um, I wanted to ask you to get this conversation started. Could you tell us a little bit about your work at project 39A and how you got involved in looking at budgets for legal aid? Sure. Um, So, Project 39A is a criminal justice
1: research and litigation center at National Law University, Delhi. Um, Our research work is basically across five verticals. We work on forensics, mental health and criminal justice, death penalty, torture, and legal aid. Now, within legal aid, we actually have undertaken various projects and interventions, but I'd say there are three primary things we've done. One is the intervention of the Fair Trial Fellowship, where we provide legal assistance to undertrials in Pune and Nagpur, in collaboration with the DLSAs there and the government of Maharashtra. Uh, as you mentioned, I, we undertook performance audits of the Supreme Court Legal Services Committee, which is the legal aid body at the Supreme Court level, uh, to help them assess uh, improvements that could be made to make the system more effective and efficient. We undertook two audits, one in 2018, and we were requested for a follow-up audit in 2020. And the third aspect was an analysis of underutilization of legal aid amongst undertrial prisoners. So we define underutilization as when a significant proportion of the eligible population either cannot or chooses not to access legal aid. Uh, And our research indicates that that's a serious problem with the legal aid system in India. So more broadly, how I characterize our legal work is, I'd say it's about institutional design and imagination. It's about reimagining the system in ways that could be more effective or efficient. And I see budgets and expenditure as an important aspect of that analysis because I think it tells you so much about the priorities that the system is laying out uh, across the various goals it's trying to achieve what it considers most important. What are the activities it considers most important in achieving those goals? Um, So that's the way we look at budgets within our work. And more specifically, while doing uh, research on our utilization of legal aid, that's when we looked at data on expenditure um, that's released by NALSA. Yeah, I think that's a broad overview of it.
0: Thank you, Gail. And I think um, something that you mentioned there is is really interesting is um, a lot of our work in this space also revolves around creating imaginations of how systems can be uh, rethought of and actually reconfigured. So that's something that really resonated with me uh, from what you just shared. But um, we know that you have analyzed yearly budget allocations and expenditures for legal aid to NALSA and the State Legal Services Authority between 2016 and nineteen. Could you Tell us a little bit about the process for compiling this information and what were some of the key findings that emerged out of it?
1: Sure. So to start with, just to set the context for people who...
0: um,
1: aren't aware of this. So the hierarchy of the legal aid system that has NALSA, which is the National Legal Services Authority at the top, that's the apex legal aid body. Essentially, you then have SLSCs at the state level, which supervises uh, DLSEs at the district level, and that further supervises TLSCs at the taluka level. You also have the SCLSE for the Supreme Court and SCLSEs for the High Court. Um, so in terms of accessing the data, Uh, NALSA, since 2016, has started publicly releasing data on various aspects of its legal aid programs, one of which was uh, reports on the expenditure by SLSEs from uh, NALSA's grant to these SLSAs uh, across different activities. So NALSA categorized expenditures across, I think, about nine categories, such as um, payments to lawyers, payments to PLVs, local Dalits, different kinds of activities and laid out uh, how much each SLSA spent on that activity. Um, So in terms of findings, I think our focus was on two aspects, on utilization and allocation, and two interesting things that came out. So on utilization, what we found, and it's something that's been documented otherwise, is SLSAs actually consistently underspend the funds that are allotted, they only spent an average of 58% of the funds allotted by NASA. Uh, the union territories, with the exception of Delhi, generally have the lowest utilization, something like 13%. But just to give you a sense of the contrast between different states, Kerala and Rajasthan in 2018-19 utilized over 99% of the funds allotted while Uttar Pradesh utilised only 61%. So that's the scale of difference you're seeing between states. And the second interesting finding, and again, I need to set some context, is with legal aid, uh, one issue that repeatedly crops up is the poor quality of legal representation provided by legal aid lawyers. And in some discourse that's linked to inadequate honorariums, that's the payment made to legal aid lawyers by the state, the idea being, because there's inadequate honorariums, there's no incentive to either join the legal aid system or to perform well in the legal system, uh, which leads to corruption, et cetera. So in light of that discourse, we specifically looked at what's the proportional allocation to uh, payment to lawyers for honorariums. Uh, and again, the results were a bit surprising. It was across these three years, SLSA spent only about 24% of the funds uh, on payment to lawyers. But again, the state story is where the interesting part comes out, where Gujarat, for example, spent 62% of its funds on payment to lawyers in 2018-19. And Madhya Pradesh, in contrast, at the lowest, spent less than 6%. Uh, So yeah, so I think those are some of the interesting findings from our uh, limited research on expenditure.
0: Thanks, Kail. I think um, underutilization of funds is, is something that we do see across the board with, uh, with different kinds of budgets um, and the problem of underutilization is often more complex than one would be able to gauge at the surface. So what do you think could be some of the reasons for underutilization of legal aid funds and what are the implications? What kind of reforms do we need to ensure that our uh, system actually functions at its fullest?
1: Okay, thanks. Um, so, I'll come back to this point at the end, but I just feel like we don't know enough about the system to say why there is underutilization. But at, what we do know is it's not because the system's functional. It's not that things are so great they don't need the money, right? And it's at each level you can observe from right down at the TLSE level, right up to the SELSE, you can see absence of infrastructure, problems with staffing, with resources. You can see those issues. So, I'd say there are two stories as such. The first is, it's not about just injecting more money in the system. It's about what the system is choosing to do with the money it has. And I think in our work, the story I tell is that there's two versions of the legal aid system. One is that it's a passive bureaucracy. It receives applications for legal aid. It processes its only goal. And the second version is one that's proactively trying to seek out beneficiaries, identify their needs, support them. And I think too often many levels of the institution is functioning in the former as this passive bureaucracy. So it's not really interested in the, the latter, a the more proactive thing, which is what requires true investment, right? It requires strategizing what that might look like, real investment. And I think that story also comes across with our work with the Fair Trial Fellowship where we proactively visited prisons, uh, spent time with prisoners, tried to support their needs and you immediately saw a difference in dynamic. You saw the kind of trust and faith that they would then repose in our services because of those actions. But that's obviously a high investment uh, activity, right? It's not just about money, but investing in resources, training, capacity building to be able to achieve that kind of and I think the underutilization is linked to that story, that the, the system at present is not interested in the investment towards achieving its best self, I'd call it, um, and therefore is doing the bare minimum. So I think that's one part of the story. And the second part of the story, which is on the allocation issue I brought up, I don't think it's about the amount that's allotted, right? It's not like I'm saying that, all uh, SLSAs must spend at least 50% of their funds on lawyers. That's not the point. But I think it's a story of process, right? On what basis are you making these allocations? How are you prioritizing? How much are you thinking through it? So just for a second, I just want to go back to the example of Madhya Pradesh. So like I said, in 2018-19, it spent less than 6% on lawyers, right? But in contrast, in that same year, they spent 48% on local adults, right? And this is by far the highest across all the states in that year, where the next highest is Telangana at 26%. So that's quite a sharp increase, right? And the question is, how did Madhya Pradesh arrive at that kind of allocation, right? Did it look at research on the effectiveness of local dalits? Is it about the number of beneficiaries that go to local dalits? And by that, I don't mean to say that local dalits aren't important. Right? Or they're, they're less important than representation in court. My point is when you choose and you prioritize between these two very different activities, there should be, it should be based on research. It should be based on evidence of effectiveness, of needs, and really looking at what the reality, what the data is telling you before you make these choices. And I think we know enough about the system that they are not looking at that. And I think that's the major issue with what's happening with how uh, money is allocated, essentially, yeah.
0: Right, thanks so much for that, Gail. I, um, I particularly enjoy Thursday evenings now for <laughs> all that I'm learning from these conversations as well. Um, so thank you for making that happen. Before I proceed to the next uh, next question, I just wanted to acknowledge that we have a lot of people who have joined us for this Twitter Spaces, all from very different and varied backgrounds. Um, if you do have any questions you'd like Gail to answer, please uh, DM us at civis underscore vote, um, and we would be happy to take on those questions if time permits after uh, after the the bulk of our discussion. So. Um, Gail has made a lot of interesting points today that I hope uh, we'll get to explore more in 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 the Q and A session. But um, I think uh, Gail, the other question that we we do ask at these spaces um, because we understand that the nature of availability of data is quite. complicated and, and the sources of themselves are also uh, quite difficult to access. Um, I wanted to understand from you, if I as a researcher, I'm interested in doing some budgetary analysis for legal aid in India, either at the national level or at my state level, or even district for that matter, how should I go about it? What are some of the handy tips or tricks that you, you, uh, you might recommend that somebody does when they are looking to engage with this data? Right, so Actually,
1: in terms of budgets and allocations, I haven't seen much information on the NALSA website. You just see maybe like 140 crores has been allocated as budget for the year, nothing more than that. Um, So the information is primarily at the expenditure. Uh, So like I mentioned, NALSA website has since uh, 2016 started releasing public data on information across uh, legal aid activities. One of which is expenditure by SLSEs across activities. So, I think that's the best starting point uh, for analysis. Uh, additionally, NASA also releases these annual reports on expenditure. So, that will include its allocation of funds across SLSEs and also has information on expenditure on internal resources within NASA. Um, so, that's another source of data. At the state level, you have the SLSA websites. Most SLSAs have their own website. And they do have statistics, but I just haven't seen the level of detail on the SLSA websites that you see in NASA. And I honestly haven't seen SLSAs release uh, budget data, but it's something that can be explored. Um, And very few DLSAs have websites. I think it's only Delhi, if I'm not wrong. Um, but the SLSAs, if they release information, will include information on at the at district level. Um, and the only thing I'd say to keep in mind when you look at the state level is there will be huge inconsistencies in how they categorize data uh, between different states. Um, so it's quite difficult to compare data across states just based on SLSA information. But to an extent, NALSA takes care of that with its consolidated data. Um, so it's limited. There's a lot that.
0: Thank you. Um, that that uh, does shed some light as well. And I think one of the you mentioned, of course, availability of data uh, does prove to be a challenge. But what are some of the other challenges that you might have faced while working with budget data? Um, are there any critical pieces of information that are missing? And then subsequently, I have one more question to ask on this. front. Sure. Um, so, so. I'd say the big issue with budget
1: data is just that we know so little, right? That's a problem with the criminal justice system generally. It's a problem on legal aid generally and specifically in budgetary legal aid that just there exists so little information, right? And just just give you a sense of the questions we don't have answers to, right? We don't know how NALSA decides to allocate funds between different states. And you'll see huge differences in the amounts allocated, right? Who is And then within the SLSA, who is making these choices of allocating across different activities? How are they going about it, right? Is any of it based on actual evidence? Then information on the grants given by state governments to SLSAs and the utilization uh, within those funds, right? So there's a lot of information I think that's missing that makes it difficult to make any real substantive in-depth analysis of the data. And just to hammer home the point, I just want to come back to a uh, uh, finding I myself raised, right, on allocations and specifically on honorariums. So even though I said it's surprising that we have uh, only that particular proportion being allocated to honorariums, there's, again, so little we know about uh, information on honorariums. There's so little you can say about it, right? Like, so many questions remain unanswered what's the rate of honorarium, and then how many lawyers do they have, how many cases do these lawyers undertake from the cases they undertook, how, how many times do they claim the amount, how does the amount that's given in honorarium compare with what's typically charged in private matters, and you can see how each of these questions is so integral to understanding the story of honorariums, right, and the role it might be playing apparently in the quality of legal representation. and. That's just the point, that we just know so little. So I'd say the next steps as such that we need to think about is just getting more information, getting more data, of which Budgets for Justice is obviously an important step. Uh, And I think that's the direction in which we need to go, right? Greater transparency about processes, about what's happening, at each stage of the process, uh, before we can even think about change and reform, we just need to know more. So that would be my big takeaway from working with
0: Thank you, Gil. Um And thanks for giving me the opportunity to pull in just a little bit about what uh, Justice Hub is trying to do. Um, I'll just take a minute to talk a little bit about this incredible platform that Justice Hub, uh, Civic Data Labs, and a number of other collaborators have pulled together. Um, JusticeHub.in Uh, is the web portal where you can actually go and explore data on different themes within the law and justice domain, be it uh, judicial reforms, courts, child rights, human rights, um, policing. There are through the Budgets for Justice platform. And I'd encourage anyone who is interested in this space to take a look at it. Um, and more than just take a look at it, also share your feedback uh, through the chatbot available on the platform or through associated links on what can be done better. How can we improve um, improve the way that this data is presented? How can we make it more accessible? Um, and also, are you... ...support that? So, um, Thanks, Gail, for allowing me the opportunity to talk for a minute about Justice Hub. But I think one of the interesting questions that uh, that was on some of our minds um, is that what we do wonder um, after conversations like this is if there, if you had a, a, a wish list, right? You mentioned some of the things that we need to start talking more about the data. We need to know what is going on. Um, perhaps machine readable data is another wish list item that we hear quite frequently but if you had three um, three sort of key wish list items or, or uh, even like three critical data points um, what would those be and how I'd be keen to understand this just to understand where uh, the prior where your priorities lie also as a researcher in this space um right so in terms of and it doesn't have to be limited
1: to budgets. Is it just thinking it about legal aid generally as well? Yes, absolutely. I, I mean, I think if I had a wish list, uh, it's it's quite a simple uh, wish, but every legal aid body actually records the number of people that they provide legal aid to when case started, just having access to that, right? And they're all in these physical registers where they write it in pen. Uh, just knowing how many people were actually providing legal aid to in cases, just that kind of information would be, uh, I think is just the starting point. And I think all my wish lists are that and it's like in legal services clinics, how many um, people visit these clinics, right? How many people are we actually servicing with our legal aid system, I think is the big thing that I'd love to know. Um, I guess then it would be... um, like more information about the system itself, like what kind of staff do we have? Um, At at least my exposure has been that we have very limited staff uh, dealing with a lot of other activities and unable to handle legal aid, right? So what's happening um, really inside the halls, right? Uh, What are they balancing? What are the kind of activities? How much priority do we give legal aid? And then maybe um, like how many lawyers do we have? And... Uh, what has been their experience and what's the kind of work that they do? I don't know if that adequately answers the question, but that's immediately what comes to mind.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. I think um, more visibility and the ability to actually understand the <laughs> scope of the challenge <laughs> is, is key to solving it in many ways. Right. Yeah. I think we just we just I, it it
1: shocks me sometimes, despite working for so long, and how little we know and. I think mm-hmm. that's just my obsession of we need to know so much more before we can even talk about what
0: needs to change. So, yeah, I think that's the way I see mm-hmm. it. Hey, yeah, absolutely. So um, we don't have a lot of time for <laughs> too many more questions. though. Gil, I can assure you, this has been a really interesting session. I um, myself have learned so much as we have been speaking. Um, but I think uh, one of the last things... Um, That I wanted to mention before we close today's Twitter Spaces um, is that these Twitter Spaces are a series that we are doing. The next one will be on Friday, eleventh, with with Studio Nilima and my. So, uh, we do hope to demystify and add a little bit of context to various heads, budgetary heads that you would see just as a program or uh, just as a line item in a budget by facilitating such conversations. And, um, if there are any aspects as listeners that, that you believe that you could partner with or you would like to volunteer with, um, feel free to reach out to Project 39 or Agami Justice Hub and each one of us um, who is in the room today. And we'd be really keen to see how we can work together, to understand a little bit more about the system and then start figuring out the contours of the problem. So thank you so much for joining us, Gail. I think this conversation has been truly exceptional. Um,
1: Thanks so much for
0: having me. In many ways. Thanks so much for having me. Pleasure. And I look forward to staying engaged with your research uh, as you go along as well.
1: Thank you. Thank you, everyone.